the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, episode 494 for Friday, March 21st, 2014. Greetings, folks, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab. And yes, we're here on a Friday this week. Uh, we're getting you used to the Friday schedule because next Friday we're going to be recording live from the show floor at Macworld Expo. Uh, officially, I have to say we're not going to stream that show. And and truthfully, that's probably the way it'll work. Um, but uh, just because of the way the bandwidth and everything works there. But um, but we will definitely re- record it and then release it, which is how uh, most of you hear it anyway. So, uh, so yeah, it's Friday morning here in Durham, New Hampshire. I'm Dave Hamilton. And it's Friday morning here in fearful Connecticut. Uh, this is John F. Braun. How you doing today, John F. Braun? Good. Springy. Good. Are you springy? Spring out of bed and <laughs> spring to the coffee machine. And <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I suppose that's a good thing, John. Um, so, uh, so we've got we've got a lot going on today. This show is actually sponsored by Linda. If you visit lynda.com slash MGG, you will uh, get a seven day free trial uh, to access all of their great training videos. And this show is sponsored by Squarespace. Again, visit squarespace.com slash MGG. And, uh, and when you sign up, sign up with the coupon code MGG and you get a 10% discount right then and there. This, uh, it's a Friday morning. It's uh, I like doing this on Friday morning. We're not going to change to Friday morning, but, uh, but it's good to do to Friday morning. And, uh, and John, you got a, you got a new toy recently, didn't you? Oh yeah. I got this really cool case. <laughs> oh yeah. What kind of case did you get? No. <laughs> well, yeah. So I have, uh, an iPad air now. I think that's awesome. So, you know, uh, so we'll slowly tell people about the iPad experience so far. I, I'm glad the case arrived on the same day. I had not planned that this arrived a day later than I thought I'd get it. And the case actually arrived a day earlier, which happened to be the same day. So that's awesome. That's cool. Yeah. I'm curious to, uh, I wanted to make sure we got that iPad into your hands before, uh, before your travels so that you could, you could acclimate and experience that, that whole thing with, um, with traveling with the iPad. So, You'll have to. Yeah, uh, you'll yeah, have I'm to rent a movie. For the, um, <laughs> uh, funny uh, statement in our chat room. Hello, chat room. What did they How say did in the chat there? room, John? Oh, John has an iPad. I knew winter was bad, but didn't realize hell froze over. Uh, <laughs> I never. I never said I'd never ever get one. Oh, uh, you inferred needed, that, but it's great. I'm glad that you have one. I think it's awesome. Well, I, and now I'm, I get to now I get to get up to speed on. Well, one, so I got it and it offered to install a suite of apps that you get free with it now. And that was nice. And th- then I'm deciding what apps I already have um, that I want to install. And that's sure. the uh, interesting part. Yeah. No, it's fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some, in, some they don't understand. They, they just look twice as big and that kind of right. stinks. Whereas some other apps, I got to find the, uh, you know, uh, uh HD where the GUI takes that into account, right. which I like. I just don't want bigger. <laughs> I, 
I, I will say this about the iPad mini, even the retina iPad mini, the, the apps that I have where I have to blow up the iPhone version actually work really well on the, on the mini. Now you have, you have the slightly larger um, uh, version. You have the iPad air, which I think is great. Um, and, uh, and you got the T-Mobile version, right? So you can, you can check that out too. Yeah. So that activated uh 200 megabytes free with hotspot and all that great stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool, man. I'm stoked about that. I'm stoked about seeing you next week. You know, um, so Macworld Expo is uh, is coming up. John, you and I have quite a few little things that I will mention here at the beginning of the show. Things that we are doing at the show next week. And uh, and if I don't change my calendar to Pacific time before I start ranting about this, then I'm definitely going to screw up the schedule. So. Uh, let's see, Macworld Expo, uh, Macworld iWorld Expo, or is it just Macworld iWorld? I don't know. It starts on, uh, on Wednesday with some all day sessions. And then Thursday, the, uh, the exhibits and the kind of the, 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 the individual, uh, shorter sessions start up and that's where John and I are, uh, doing stuff. So let me, let me see if I get this right, John, and you help me and make sure I don't miss stuff. Cause my calendar looks like a crazy man's calendar at the moment. Um, so, uh, two o'clock PM on, th- we're starting with Thursday, the 27th. So Thursday, the 27th, I am doing a session at 2 PM called managing your mobile life. Uh, and I'm very much looking forward to that. It's a 45 minute session, which is a tight squeeze for a lot of data, but, uh, but we'll have fun with that. Then, uh, I am doing that night at, uh, oh, wait a minute. I got this two o'clock Pacific. So at five o'clock uh, Pacific, they are hosting the Dan, Dan Morin is hosting uh Macworld iWorld rapid fire again. And this, this is one of my favorite sessions because not only do I get to, to speak and show people something really quick, everybody has five minutes or less to, to teach something, but I get to see nine or 10 of my favorite speakers who I never would get to see uh, also speak. Um, I have to watch them from on stage, but, that, but that's okay. It's a, uh, it's a fun, it's a really fun time. So um, on that one, I will be showing you how to reboot your uh, Mac when it's frozen from your iPhone, as opposed to just turning off the power. So um, not only is it a handy tip, but there is entertainment value there folks, because trying to do that in a room full of, you know, 300 people with Wi-Fi enabled is going to be a, uh, an interesting problem to solve. So that's, uh, that's that. Then, uh, the next day, John at 1130 AM, you and I are on the second stage, the podcast stage on the floor. There are two stages on the floor. One is the Macworld live stage and one they're calling the second stage. Um, Macworld live stage is actually the Macworld magazine stage. And I really think they should change the name to that so that people don't get confused. But, um, but that is uh, at 1130 a.m. John, you and I and uh, our, our favorite Mac podcasters are all getting together to do Mac Roundtable live uh, for an hour at 1130 a.m. Right. Am I getting that right? Yeah. Yes. Uh, if what you put on the calendar is correct. Yes. Uh, you put that on the calendar, I think. But that's OK. Yeah, one of us did. Yeah, one of us did. And these are all posted to our Mac Geek Cab calendar, too. Um, which I believe is linked from com slash calendar. It's an ICS file that will auto update you all the time. So I think that's where you can get that. Um, 
So that's that. Then at 2 p.m., John, you and I, as I mentioned before, get to do this again uh, live on the show floor at uh, at 2 o'clock p.m. So for about an hour. So Mac Geek Gab 495 right then and there on the show floor. Then uh, at 3 p.m. over on the Macworld magazine stage, the Macworld All-Star Band takes the, spa- the stage, not with instruments, but with uh, with microphones and Chris Breen is going to host us. And I have no idea what we're talking about. My, my guess is we're not. We'll probably talk some about the band because that's who we are. But um, but we'll also just kind of, you know, comment. We'll do the thing that we actually do uh, as opposed to playing instruments. We'll, we'll we'll talk about Apple and the Mac and the ecosystem and all that. So that is a day on stage. Oh, and then that night is Cirque to Mac at eight o'clock. You need to have a ticket to go. Uh, but I just told you uh, one, two, three, four, five places that you can find John and I prior to that. And we will have tickets. So uh, and we, we, we John, we we're, we're quite generous with those tickets. If you uh, if you come up and say something nice. So. Uh, <laughs> right. I, I don't think so. Yeah. And Cirque du Mac this year. It's uh, it's this one goes to 11. You guys are going to love the logo. Um so, uh, and, and you're also going to love our sponsors. I, I I'm going to say something about our sponsors here, John, for Cirque du Mac, because it's, I think it's super important that everybody understand everybody, even the folks that, that don't get to go to Macworld Expo, understand what these sponsors do. This party is a party. Um, it is not a place where people set up booths. It's not a place where people pitch, uh, their stuff to, you know, to, to everybody that's there. It is the, the, the sole purpose is to show the members of the community a good time. And so these people spend a lot of money. You people are not cheap. Uh, you, you are not cheap dates. Uh, I, I, after 10 years of paying of, of, of writing the check for your liquor bill. Now the sponsors uh, help offset that for me, but I'm the one that writes the, the final check there. Uh, let me tell you, you are not cheap. So um, I, I want to thank our sponsors, Project Wizards, the makers of Merlin, they have been the longest running uh, sponsor without break for Cirque du Mac and, uh, and Frank and his team there are awesome folks. So if you see them on the show floor or even if you find them on Twitter, uh, thank them, please. Uh, new this year is the Omni Group sponsoring Cirque du Mac. Again, uh, you know, they make great stuff. Uh, we've, we've talked about their, their products on, on Mac Geek Cab here all the time. And I'm so stoked to have them on board with us. They have been a staple of the community since the next days. So these folks, uh, they've got some legs here. Um, Mac keeper, the, the folks at Chrome tech, I know you might hate their advertising, but, uh, but they're paying for your beer just like everybody else is. And they really, they reach out to me every year and want to sponsor this party. They, they totally get that they need to endear themselves and want to endear themselves to, uh, our community and be a part of our community. And I think they're doing some rebranding to be honest with you, that we're going to find out about between now and, and Cirque du Mac, but make sure you thank those folks and they make memory cleaner too, or memory, uh, memory keeper. What's it called, John memory keeper. Sorry. Um, memory, memory keeper, keeper too, which we love. Uh, it's great stuff. So thanks to those folks. Uh, the people at other world computing, awesome folks. They've been staples of the Mac community. They were the first company ever to come up to me and tell me they wanted to sponsor Cirque du Mac. I told them no for four years because we wanted to do it on our own. But Larry at the very first Cirque du Mac came up and said, if you ever want money 
uh, and you will ever take sponsorships, count me in, call me first. So uh, it's great to have them back on board. Drobo is back on board with us. They've got some cool stuff coming and they've got some cool stuff out. Uh, the 5N has been a real hit. And uh, and I'm I'm eager to see what that that company can do now that the right management is back in place over there. We're really happy about that. And uh, and and finally, lastly but not least, the Antec mobile products. Uh, these folks have been making Antec has been making cases for PCs for years, and they're going to have a cool demo on the show floor that uh, that has never been done at MacWorld before. And you're definitely going to want to see. And that's all I'm going to say about it. But uh, but now they're making. Uh, they're making cool things for uh, for the iPhone. Uh, they make these this little smart bean, which is the a Bluetooth receiver for your headphones, and it's tiny and it clips, so you can use any headphones Bluetooth. Uh, good stuff. So that's Cirque de Mac Friday night. Find tickets from John or I or someone or or any of those sponsors. They all have tickets to give you too if you're nice to them. And with that, John, let's get. Uh, are we ready to get into the show? Did I get everything? Did I miss anything on our schedule? Uh. Public? No. Mm. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. You have to keep reminding me that uh, our Mac Geekab schedule is not just shared amongst you and me. So the the, the meetings that we have, I, I keep accidentally putting on our Mac Geekab schedule thinking, this is great. John and I will have this together. And it's like, you have to call me. And you're like, dude, uh, you just told everybody in the world about that meeting. Like, oh, yeah. Never mind. Let me change that. But oh. that's how we go. We keep each other on our toes, John. It's good. Oh, I wanted to remind you, you know, we're staying, uh, you know, we're doing the Airbnb thing. We're staying in an apartment. Um, I'll, I'll get there before you. So I'll have keys and we'll, we'll sort all that out. But I did want to remind you, we are staying in an apartment, not a hotel, which means, uh, and this is true for anybody, anytime you're staying home away or Airbnb, make sure you bring uh, shampoo and, and that sort of thing. A lot of, a lot of hosts will leave that stuff in an, in an apartment, but not everyone does. So. It's best, better just to be safe than, than sorry. Oh, I'll take all the shampoos I've accumulated over the years. Exactly. That's what I do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I got crates full of oh, uh, hotel supplies, right? Right. As you do, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, maybe not crates. No, but I've got, I've got like, like, you know, bags full of them. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. All right, sweet. Let's get on to this. Brent says, I have a 27-inch Apple LED display attached to my mid-year 2011 15-inch MacBook Pro. Therefore, I have two eyesight cameras that can be used for video conferencing. Each camera has a distinct color bias that I would like to correct by manipulating the hue and tint, saturation, exposure, and white balance. How can I optimize the eyesight cameras for FaceTime, Google Hangouts, and Skype sessions? So uh, I, I've, I, I've, uh, I've been watching this for years and recently redug in when I got my, uh, my HD webcam, the Logitech uh, C920. And there are two pieces of software that are going to help you out. They both work a little bit differently. So depending on what you want to do, one or the other, or maybe both are what you need. The first one I'm going to mention is Ecamm's uh, eyeglasses. And we'll put a link in the show notes for that. Uh, eyeglasses is, um, it, it has been around for a long time. It does a couple of things in hardware uh, in, in that it adjusts the, um, the, 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 the white balance and that sort of things. And then it's talking directly to the camera. But for the most part, what eyeglasses does is in software. So uh, if you're and, and, and it can be really handy with built in with those built in cameras that are kind of weak 
Um, I mean, yeah, they're HD cameras, but they're not really HD cameras. Right. Um, and, and so eyeglasses can do a lot of stuff in software. It appears on your Mac as a second camera. So you connect to eyeglasses as opposed to connecting to your, uh, camera itself. And, and it can, it can do some of that stuff. That's uh that's, that's one piece of software. The other one is called webcam settings. And we'll put a link to that in the show notes. Um, webcam settings, I believe does most of its work in hardware. It talks directly to the camera. It can adjust focus. Oh, you can adjust focus with the, with eyeglasses too, if the camera supports it. Um, and again, the, you know, with webcam settings, that's the, the, the trick is it, it's doing a lot of it in hardware. You don't choose a set, a separate camera. You're just using webcam settings to manipulate your camera. Um, so depending on what your camera supports, you will get more or less features out of webcam settings, but it's great for setting focus. It's great for setting the kind of the white balance and, and that sort of thing. Uh, both of these can do zoom. Uh, the zoom is again, either in software or hardware, depending on what your camera will do uh, for my, for my Logitech camera, I, I for the C920 that I have, which is a great HD camera, HD USB camera. You can get them if you watch them on Amazon. You can get them for like fifty or sixty bucks. Even if you buy it without watching it, you can get it for like seventy-five. It's just not that expensive, and it's an awesome camera. It'll deliver thirty frames a second all the time, no problem. Unlike the FaceTime cameras, which are a disaster. Um, it's great. So, and with that one, webcam settings. Uh, has a lot of features because the camera has a lot of features with my uh, built in, you know, eyesight cameras or FaceTime HD cameras on the, uh, on the Mac and on my laptop, you know, on my, on my MacBook air, uh, Ecamm's thing does a little more because it's doing it in software. And so it adds features to the camera. So check them out. Those are the, uh, those are the two. That's, that's my thing. I think, I think webcam settings is seven bucks on the app store. Eyeglasses is direct from Ecamm and it's like 20 so, uh, so there you go. That's what I got. John, you got a question for us? <clears throat> yes. Cause I don't have an answer. No, I, I didn't have an answer <laughs> or you, you fully answered this question. That actually kind of aggravates me that there's no, uh, uh, camera controls, uh, available from within the OS mm. directly to the user. Why? Why? Uh, you know, that's that, Cause that's how Apple is. They, you know, they, they, they limit the amount of things that, that they want you to tinker with, um, or in their eyes, probably they limit the amount of things that users are going to, going to be confused by having to tinker with. They come up with their setting, they set it and, uh, and you live with it. I don't know. I, 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 I'm not, I would prefer them to give me more options, but I, you know, expecting that would be ridiculous at this stage of the game. Because it's, well, it's who Apple is. Well, I'm going to surprise you because I'm going to give you a whole bunch of options in a few moments here. So Mike writes in and he said, hey, guys, what are the best two? And I'm going to give you more than two. What are the best two apps for finding out what and who might be accessing my network? I know you've discussed them before, but I can't remember which episodes and which the best ones are. Well, like I said, Dave, there's more than two. And I guess the place, uh, why don't we start with the most basic here? Okay. So if you want to see, so the assumption here is that um, Mike wants to see what servers, what apps and what server, what apps are using network and where are they going? 
Fair enough. So the first thing, all right, so the first thing you could try, it doesn't tell you much, but I, I want to build up to this here. Um, so the first thing is you could go in the terminal, I think one of the very basic commands that'll show you all of your TCP IP connections, you can type, uh, I think it's netstat, and that'll show you a list, but yeah, it's ugly, you know, it's in, all in text there, and uh, you know, it's not real time, that's pretty much a snapshot uh, of that moment in time of what network uh, or TCP IP sockets or other connections are uh, are open. Now there is, and I hadn't used this in a while, Dave, I don't know if you had, but then there's another tool that's a little nicer, and this is real time, called NetTop. Oh, yeah. You may have mentioned that in the past, but that's I think a you, I think you t- I think you hipped me to that a while back. Yeah. yeah you hipped me to it. Right. Yeah, but I dug again and I tried it, and, you know, it, it seems to still be built in. You know, it's text, but it's it's kind of real time. But sometimes you may have to grow your uh, text yeah. window or scroll around to see if, what's happening. If I there. told you about that, I had since I had since forgotten about. It. I remember us talking about it, but um, I should use that more often. Is what I should use. Yeah. All right. Sweet. Then I'm going to move up here. So now I wanted to search for some apps here. Now there's a few that we mentioned in the past, but I'm going to talk about a new one that I found here that I had not uh, I was not aware of until I poked around uh, online. It's very simple, and it's called Private Eye. And it basically has three sections. Um, well, you, you can have three sections, so you can see all connections, uh, outgoing and incoming. And it shows it in a very nice uh, diagram, the application with the application icon. It shows the connection, either the IP address or the server that's going to. And then on the left side, it'll start listing the applications as it sees applications uh, that are... Uh, reaching out over the internet. So it's kind of cool to watch it because it'll build up over time. And what's the, what's the name of this one? Oh, you... uh, it's called private. I, uh, radio silence app.com is the, uh, company, I guess. Sweet. Sweet. That's a good one. And they do some other things here. Oh, look at this. They have some sort of a firewall tool here. I'll check it out. All right. So we got that. Um, then we have the ones that I like, Dave. Well, actually, I would I would say the uh, the the next step up here, if you want a tool that shows you your network connections, someone in real time is uh, iStat Menus does have that ability. Um, if you have a, a network tab, it'll show you, or it can show you the throughput, and it shows you, I think what what I'm looking at here, the five most recent processes to access the network, and then uh, it'll show you the throughput. So not a lot of information, but. Um, could be good for just a, a quick look. And then the one that I love, Dave, is, uh, and it has two pieces here. So Little Snitch, uh, to me, is the tool if, if you really want to know what's going on here. And, and it has two major portions. So one is the ability to basically ask you or, or tell you about and then ask you what you'd like to do about applications trying to get out on the network. You can uh, permit them to do so. You can block it. Um, and once you train it, it's not so bad. No, you uh, know what? Can get in the way. I I have been using Little Snitch since our discussions here and some discussions with the folks over at Objective Development. I, when I'm home, I have Little Snitch allow everything. I only use it on my MacBook Air. When when I'm home, I'm in allow everything mode. However, when I travel, I am in. Uh, I have two layers of restricted travel, and you can have different profiles mm-hmm. set up, and it's awesome. One is like when I'm in a hotel room, I don't want iTunes broadcasting. I don't want, you know, you know, there's, there's various things, iTunes file sharing. I don't want to have to remember to turn those off. I just have little snitch seal up those ports and it's fine. 
Um, and then I have one for when I'm on a limited like mobile connection and I don't want things like Dropbox and, and transporter and cloud station and, you know, yada, 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 all these things that could mm-hmm. potentially chew up data in the background without me even noticing. Um, and I have the, all those blocked. So I get, you know, email, I get web and pretty much nothing else. So with those three profiles, little snitch has been awesome for me and it rarely gets in my way, but I, I keep them pretty locked down, you know, so, which is good. Yeah. So has that feature, you know, it, it, it's location aware um, or can be made location aware. Uh, but the other thing, it also has, uh, I would say, a, one of the better network monitors and that it shows you a list. Yeah. Uh, like the others, but it, it can show you uh, the apps and the uh, servers that it's going to. And, and uh, you know, the newest ones come to the top and then they decay uh, over time. But uh between all of those, that should tell you pretty much everything network-wise that is happening on your machine. Now, I like it. Dave. Now, well, you've done this, I think, or, or maybe, I, I don't know if you're, um, I mean, another thing is your router or your uh, firewall could record that sort of thing as well if you want to know what's happening oh yeah absolutely yeah and you know i mean i i rant about my my favorite firmware in the world ddwrt for my router and it it gives me all kinds of information like that it's really handy um if you want to be a geek about that stuff and dig in and see what's going on inside your router that's that's the way to go i am big uh, as as listeners know i'm a big fan all right that's what i got All right. Sweet. Uh, I want to talk about our first sponsor today. As I mentioned, John, that is Linda at L Y N D a dot com slash M G G. Linda creates and produces and provides training videos. Uh, If you're listening to this show, it's because you want to learn stuff, uh, presumably, um, and be entertained while you're doing so. And Linda takes that and really does deep dives on thousands of topics it's so and the, the way they produce these videos it's so good i, I you know i'm picky about this stuff because you know we see crap for, for, uh, for what it's worth on youtube and you sure you can get information out of it but it's like you know some dude in his bedroom and the camera's all messed up and the audio sucks and he doesn't really know what he's talking about but you might be able to get some data well that's not linda right linda is professionally produced videos by people that really know what they're talking about that have prepared for these videos and they do it in a really entertaining flowing manner. These are pros, not only pros at what the, at the subject they're teaching, but they're also pros at being teachers and, uh, and they're all on video. Sometimes you're seeing the person who's talking to you, you're seeing their face, which is handy uh, because that helps get inflection and keeps it interesting. And then sometimes they're showing you either charts or even, uh, digging in on the computer. Like when I was learning about logic from there, there's all kinds of, you know, things in logic that it's way easier to see, you know, a picture's worth a thousand words, a video's worth like a million. And so for somebody to just show you right there on the screen. And the cool thing is you can stream these videos to your iPad or a second computer and then have your whole screen to work on and try the same thing. And of course, different than being in a classroom, you can pause And all the Linda courses are chopped up into chapters uh, or segments, whatever you want to call them. Uh, 
by default, it auto flows from one chapter to the next. And you wouldn't necessarily even know it might just be somebody talking. And then they say, all right, now we're going to move on to this topic like we do here. Well, that's a new chapter, just like what Michael Johnston does. Hi, Michael. Thank you for what you do Um, for us here. Linda does for their shows. So uh, but you can have it auto pause after each chapter. So if you're doing something like a a course where you're learning about logic or learning about uh, Xcode or something where you really want to, you know, have some time to tinker and absorb and maybe even go back and watch that same chapter again, uh, having it auto pause there gives you that flow. But you're you're doing this in the privacy of your own home or office so you can control when they're speaking to you and when they're not. It, it It's a perfect analog for uh, what we do here on the podcast. It, it adds right on to it. And uh, and it's great stuff. In fact, we've heard from from several listeners. Uh, Steve in the chat room, when we did the very first sponsorship for this, says uh, he's been a longtime user and he uses it to brush up on different software. He said, uh, in fact, this morning before coming into the chat room to listen to Mac Keycab, he says, I use the iPhone tutorial as I'm setting up two new people on their iPhones next week. So if you're a consultant, somebody that's helping other folks out, maybe you're not officially a consultant, but you're that person that's in your office, the one that everybody comes to. Well, get your office to to pony up for a, a Linda subscription. It's not it's not expensive. It's twenty five bucks a month, uh, but you do get uh, uh, seven free days to just test it out. No, uh, you know, no commitment. If if you want out after the the seven days, you just cancel, and it's uh, and it's easy. So uh, it's it's been uh, it's been it's been quite interesting. In fact, uh, listener Dominic said uh, I wanted to pass along that I've been loving the site so far myself. He's a new Linda user after hearing about it here. He says I'm a med student who'll be graduating in a few months, and I have some ideas on iOS applications that would be useful for doctors. However, I have no background nor any knowledge of how to program. Over the last month, I've been using Linda to learn about the fundamentals of programming, and I plan on starting a course on iOS programming soon. The quality of the videos that I've found in the site has been just as great as you've been saying. I'm looking forward to seeing what comes of everything I'm learning. So that's the kind of thing. I mean, this guy's expanding and enhancing his career. Uh, Linda, for 25 bucks a month. You know, if they keep this up, colleges are going to be out of business, man. So uh, Linda.com, L-Y-N-D-A.com slash M-G-G. And, uh, and that'll get you your seven free days. So uh, what are you waiting for? Go check it out. It's good stuff. And with that, John, let's, let's see if we can help Bob. Bob writes, he says, uh, I must ask you for your help. Uh, and this one could be tough over the years of machine migrations, OS and iTunes updates. My iTunes folder has gotten to be quite a mess. The mess has caused me a lot of trouble. When I upgraded to Mavericks and iTunes 11, my entire music library and playlists were deleted. Recently, when I ran Onyx in auto mode, again, my music library was deleted. I'd like to help figure I'd like help in figuring out how to clean it up. Thank goodness for time machine in that I haven't lost anything. So he sent some screenshots and it shows, uh, he says my 98 gigs of music is nested in a folder labeled previous iTunes libraries and the active iTunes library are all within another previous iTunes library folder that are inside the other one. In other words, the path to my iTunes media is home music, iTunes, previous iTunes libraries. And the path to my library is in home music, iTunes, previous iTunes libraries, previous iTunes libraries. Can I just move the iTunes media folder up one level to be at the top level of the iTunes folder and the active library files up two levels to be under the same iTunes folder and then repoint iTunes to the current location of my media. Will that fix the paths in the library files too? 
Okay. So, and he says he's talked to Apple tech support and they were unable to help him. So to answer your question first, of course, uh, and you're already doing this, but, but I, I say this for everyone's benefit, make sure you have a backup. You're going to be mucking with stuff um, that, that, that you, uh, that can potentially lead you to the data loss as you found. So yes, in theory. And if it were me, this is what I would do uh, because it's the quickest solution. I would quit iTunes. Make sure you quit iTunes first and then move the media folder up to the top level, move the iTunes library files up to the top level and move that other stuff out. Put it on your desktop so that your iTunes library folder or your iTunes folder, your home music iTunes folder is clean. Right. Uh, Then launch iTunes. In theory, iTunes is going to say, I can't find your iTunes library. Where do you want me to look? Um And it may do this immediately. It may do this when you go to play a song. It depends on whether it picks up um, the the new. It picks up that the the location of the 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 file has changed uh, versus the folder. Uh, But when you go to play that first, and then you just navigate there and find it. When you go to play that first song, it may say, "I can't find the media file for this," Um, and you have to go navigate and find the file for that song, which is sort of tedious. But iTunes is pretty smart in that once you go and find a song, it sort of updates itself internally and says, hey, uh, I'm going to try and use this location to find everything else. Make sure you also check your uh, iTunes media folder location in the advanced preferences pane of of iTunes and make sure that's pointing where you you want your iTunes media folder to be as well. So so that's what I would do. And I think that'll work for you. However, if you want a safer bet, um, you can you can have iTunes do the moving of all of your files. It will take long. It'll take up twice as much space temporarily until you can delete the old ones on your drive. But um, but it will do it. And, and Apple has a support article that sort of describes the whole process. And this would be the same process if if you wanted to have iTunes move your music to an external drive or your NAS drive or any different partition, really any other location. And we'll put that um, in the in the um, in the show notes, too. They, they walk through it. It's um, it's a pretty straightforward process. You, you kind of set where you want it to all be and then uh, go into iTunes and go to the file menu and and do a uh, organize library. Um, uh, uh, process in iTunes. It's in file library, organized library, and then that will bring everything over the steps. But again, it, it's better to have the steps in front of you and we'll put those in the show notes. So, um, but try the other thing first. I think that's going to work fine for you, even though it's officially a risky solution. So thoughts on this, John? Well, the one thought which you were ready <laughs> addressed yeah i was going to talk about that dialogue because uh the organized library dialogue uh because i noticed there's two choices in there one is consolidate files and then the other is reorganize files and i think you were talking about the reorganize option um well it makes reference to the uh, advanced itunes advanced as well that, that may be the link between them two. Right, but consolidate. No, wait, 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 was, hang on, hang on, hang on. I want to make sure we get this right. Consolidate library doesn't exist anymore. That was only in iTunes seven and eight, right? And then iTunes nine, it's called organized library, but it does effectively the same thing, right? Do you don't do you in iTunes? Do you have a consolidate library option? 
I don't think you should. Oh, no, I went to, um, no, file, library, organized library. Right. If I go there, then it has checkboxes for consultants. Yes, right, right. That's, that's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I just wanted to make sure we had the steps right. Yeah. Cool. Okay. And uh, yeah, the only other thing I'd mention, you know, which could work, but there is in the file menu also an add to library command. If you have a library that's scattered about, that may be. Um, um, yeah, I don't I, know if that's the same as dragging stuff over. I'm, 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 I'm trying to think is. how to, it, it, it is the same as dragging over. And depending on whether you have that checkbox, uh, in the advanced saying, keep my iTunes folder organized, uh, and copy files into my iTunes folder, um, mm-hmm. that will either copy it in or not, depending on how you have that box checked. That's right. Got it. I don't have much to add to that. So how did it get in that state in the first place? I guess. Yeah, that's a weird, I mean, I know iTunes sort of mucks things up, but, but that one is an interesting, um, yeah, yeah. That, that's an interesting knot you've tied there. Well, and that there were multiple previous, it yeah. sounds like iTunes actually did it uh, for some. Definitely. Reason. Yeah. I mean, if I look in my music folder, yeah, no, I have one too, actually. Oh, previous iTunes libraries. Yeah. Dated uh September twenty fifth, twenty thirteen. Well, that's odd. I have I have one dated September twenty second, twenty thirteen. Oh actually all that's in here are live uh, uh, Yeah. It, it, all that's in here is index okay, there's no actual music. There's no music in there. Wait, but he did have music in there. It was weird. Yeah. Yeah, that that's bad. Yeah. I'm gonna delete my previous iTunes library folder. Um uh, I'm not going to empty the trash yet, but I can see that nothing there's been touched in a while. So it's best to best to avoid what in fact I would, I would, I would uh, make that a step that we should all do. Take a look in your home music iTunes uh, folder. If there is a previous iTunes library folder, look in there, sort it by date. If you need to, if there's a lot of entries and make sure that nothing has been updated, you know, today or in the last week or, or month or whatever. And assuming that it hasn't delete the previous iTunes library yeah. folder. Um, because we, we don't sure know how Bob that? got, yeah, I'm sure we don't know how Bob got where he is, but, uh, we don't want anybody else to have to go through this if, uh, if you don't have to. So, so there you go. That's my real time advice here. John, I have uh, a geek challenge for us. I think so. I, well, oh, I think, I think so. Yeah, I think so. So, uh, Harvey writes, he says, I've set up a keyboard shortcut to speak any highlighted text. He says, I use control option command T. This works fine for most applications, except pages. Pages has its own shortcut for these keystrokes, one which I will never need. How can I disable pages keyboard shortcuts for that combination of keys so that my text to voice keystrokes will work in pages? Now, John, in the old days, I'd bring out break out ResEdit and uh, go and edit the resource that had the, um, the 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 menus in it, and just delete the uh, keyboard shortcut there. Yeah, but we don't have ResEdit, nor would it apply uh, in these days, right? I mean, I'm sure you did that a bunch, right? It was really handy. Sure, ResEdit and Font DA Mover. Two of my favorite little utilities, but they're gone. And as I said, they're not relevant. So I I dug in uh, thinking, well, sure. Maybe there's something in keyboard system preference. No, there's nothing. 
Um, so I don't have a magic answer for this, but uh, which is why I figured I'd throw it out as a geek challenge, unless you know the answer, John. If there is one, I'm, I'm not sure that there even is one, but uh, but I love a good geek challenge. And and maybe, you know, maybe I've got the answer right under my fingertips, no pun intended, uh, with something like Keyboard Maestro. It, it's possible that that one is uh, that, you know, there's something there that can sort of override this stuff. So I'm not seeing any uh, anybody in the chat room saying, oh, ooh, ooh, I know, um, which is which does not bode well because we have a lot of smart people in the chat room today. So. So, thoughts, Mr. Braun? I mean, the only thing I see, you can go... Mm, no, I don't think this will do it here. I mean, a keyboard, yeah, so you go to system preferences, uh, keyboard, keyboard shortcuts, application shortcuts, and you can add. Yeah, you can add. Right. Menu and a keyboard Oh, 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 I have an idea. What if you add a menu item for whatever that thing is in pages... And set it to something else. Will that override it? I hmm. bet that will. Maybe it will. I haven't haven't used that feature. In All right, so let, let's uh, let's muck with this. We got a minute here. It's it's Friday, uh, so we go into system preferences keyboard. Now I'm doing this on Mountain Lion because I still haven't opened the this up. But anyway, uh, I go into system preferences keyboard application shortcuts. Oh, keyboard shortcuts. Then at the bottom of that list application shortcuts and I hit the plus sign and I go to an application that I have open, but I'm not going to, but isn't going to blow me away. So uh, we can do Yojimbo. That's fine. Cause that one's open. All right. So Yojimbo, the menu title, I have to give the exact title of the command. So I, the show inspector command in Yojimbo is command shift. I, and it is show space inspector, capital S, capital I. Okay. Show inspector. And then I want this to be uh, command control option J. And I'm going to say add. Okay. Now, if I go into your Jimbo, show inspector is command control option J. What happens if I hit command shift I? Do I get the inspector? No. So. Dude, we got it. So there, that's um, hmm. that's your answer. Is uh, change that shortcut from Command Option Command Control Option Command T to something else, whatever it does in Pages. You know, you got to find the menu item. You have to find exactly what it is, and then walk through the steps we just did here. I'm going to go ahead and delete this because Command Control Option J is not uh, worthwhile to me for a Yojimbo shortcut for that. But um, that's how you do it. Wow. Woo. I love it. What service? All right. That's how we rock it here, John. All right. I feel good about that one. But you know what? Let's just stop the show. We're good now. We, we checked the box. Oh, that's not how we do it. What's next? Uh, Kevin has a question, which is sort of related to a question you were asking me about your, your iPad uh, as well, but we'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, he says, Siri let me down too. Right. Uh, Siri, let me. Oh, oh, on this one. All right. Well, yeah. Let's let's see where uh, where Kevin goes. He says, uh, "I sing mainly musical theater and have a singing tuition, and I want to be able to record the piano playing my line and or my singing." Uh, so I'm looking for some advice on mics that can be connected to iOS and perhaps some recording software. I've seen the iRig mic, but I'm not sure how good it is. Another I've seen is the Meteor mic. 
which I believe will work with the camera connection kit. That's fine for my iPad too, but I'm not sure about the newer iPads and iPhone 5S. I'd also wonder, wondered about XLR microphones and using an adapter. Hope you can help as I really need an external mic. And at worst, I can still use the iOS voice recorder app on the iPhone. Uh, okay. Yeah, this is interesting because uh, some with the camera connection kit and even with the, the lightning adapter, some microphones, some USB microphones will work with the iPad just out of the box um, and the iPhone. But the uh, USB expects a certain amount of power and the iPhone and iPad do not deliver uh, the expected amount of power. So if um, because they're running off a battery and they're just not built to do this. So if the microphone you're using uh, doesn't require a lot of power, it can work. And uh, and I've seen it work. Some mics work great, like the Yeti does not. Right. But I think the Snowball does. So it, it just depends on on the microphone. And it's sort of trial and error because it might change after an OS update, that sort of thing. So you can you can head down that path, but know that it is an unsupported path and may what works today may not work in six months for you. So that's that's number one. Um, My gut would be or my my recommendation would be to use a solution that is built to work uh, with iOS and uh, with future, you know, future proofing in, uh, in terms of software, at least. Uh, and there's a couple of things that, that I've found. One is called the iRig pre from IK multimedia. Uh, it works a little bit differently. It has its own battery in it. Uh, and the battery will last 30 hours for a dynamic mic that doesn't need phantom power and 10 hours, uh, for a mic that does need phantom power. Um, phantom power just being, that the microphone needs extra power um, to, to run the mic, to, to run the, to get the signal to it. Whereas a dynamic mic actually gets its power from the sound coming into it. Uh, it's a little oversimplification, but that's, that's how it works. So the iRig pre has a little battery in it. You can turn phantom power on and off. It's got an XLR port, so you can plug a microphone in. Um, and, uh, and, and it, it, that's, that's what it's built for. It plugs into the headphone jack of your iPhone. And, uh, and that's how that works. It also has a headphone out on it. So you can hear what the iPhone is playing because you, you can't plug your headphones into the headphone jack when the iRig's plugged in. So we'll put that one in the, uh, in the show notes. Um, and that's one thing to check out. Um, the, uh, the, oh, let me get this in the show notes here because that's how we roll. The other one, um, if you're using a dynamic mic and you know you won't need phantom power, uh, you can check out the Cable Jive Pro Jive XLR. Uh, that is uh, also something that connects to the headphone port. So, you, um, and so you're not left with you know wonky compatibility problems with 30 pin versus you know lightning, and it's it it's similar in function. Uh, it's much smaller uh, because it doesn't have to have a battery in it. In fact. You don't even need a microphone cable with this one. It is your microphone cable. You plug this thing directly into the mic. Uh, and then it has a thing that plugs into the headphone jack. And it's also got a headphone out uh, jack as well. And it works the same way. It just won't work with a microphone that needs phantom power. Uh, unless you've got some sort of inline XLR phantom powered uh, uh, device. And those exist too. So, um, so you can check them both out. 
see what uh, see which one makes the most sense for you. And hopefully that'll do it. Now, as far as recording apps, GarageBand will work with uh, with all of these things. And and that might be your magic answer. Uh, I have uh, the the folks at, at Rode, uh, R-O-D-E, make a recording app. And I'm pulling it up here because I don't It's called the Rode Recorder. Um, they actually make a couple versions. They make a a, um, a a free version and a paid version. But um, but their recording app is fantastic. It's simple uh, and you can save to Dropbox uh, if you want. Getting audio out of Apple's voice recorder app is a disaster uh, because you you uh, if you want to email a, a piece of audio out, it has to be a less than a certain size and the software won't stop you from recording things that are too large to email out. And once you're at that point, the only way to get stuff out is to connect to either iTunes and try and extract the data that way or um, use something like phone view and and pull the data out that way. So I highly recommend using something that can save to Dropbox or FTP or whatever you want to use. And the road recorder app is um, it works great. So or it's road rec, I guess, R O D E R E C. And we'll, we'll put a link to that in the, in the show notes too. And like I said, they, they do have a free version of this. So now does that, now I know you, uh, you had some issues with this, John, does that answer your uh, your questions too? Well, somebody answer my question. Cause you know who didn't answer my question? Siri. I'm very disappointed in her. I said, how do I record my voice? And she just wasn't able to come up with an answer. I think I got redirected somehow to the Siri system preference. I think she was asking me to turn her off. <laughs> she, I don't know. It's like, why do you keep going to the system preferences? But yeah, no, I just, I just looked right now. I see this very pretty, uh, screen here in a garage band and I actually see the VU meter moving. So, uh, so that's the built in one, but uh, like you were saying there, how, how do you get, I mean, can you, well, yeah, so you can share via if it's like the other, you know, yeah, uh, Apple apps. I would think there's, you know, at some point there's a share and I, I don't know. Can you save it in iCloud? You're recording. I don't, I don't know if it lets you do that. Um, that'd be nice. No, I don't think so. No, no. It's, okay, but uh, at least there's a built-in app. No, at first I was like, yeah, but you can't get app? your audio out of it if it's if it's more than like ten minutes long. Got it. Y- you know, that's not good. Well, that, that that's why there were hundreds when I said voice recorder and searched the app store. That's why it looks like there are hundreds of them. Right. How to decide? Yes, how to decide? I know. Well, like the road one's good. You know, and while I was at the road website, I did find. Um, they have a pretty cool mic. It's a stereo microphone called the Rode XY and it plugs right in to, uh, your, your iPhone and, uh, and it does work with the iPhone. So, uh, but I think, I think it only works with, um, with, um, uh, the non lightning things. And so I think you have to use the adapter to make that work with lightning. But we'll throw that in the show notes too. It's how we roll. Yeah, get some app that isn't going to drive you crazy. You know, Apple's app, not so good. It sucked the first time I was at like WWDC and did an interview with somebody and recorded it to my iPhone. I was like, uh, I can't get this interview out of my iPhone. It's not good. 
It's not good. But anyway, that's how we roll. John, I want to tell you about our second sponsor, if I may. May I? You may. Awesome. Squarespace.com slash MGG. That's where you're going to go. This is an online, happens 100% in your web browser, uh, engine to build a website. And when you visit squarespace.com slash MGG, the first thing you don't do is put in your name or your email address or sign up with a password. The first thing you do is start designing your website. You pick a template. You find something that speaks to you or works for you, depending on what you need to, to do. And you can build like a blog. You can build an online store. They have engines right in there to, you know, sell merchandise. Uh, they even have uh, um, an agreement where you, you with through them, you can sign right up and start taking credit cards directly on their website. You don't have to sign up with a bank or anything. It's just handled. So once you've figured out what kind of site you're going to do, then you find a template that where the art uh, or the, at least the layout works to you, works for you. And then you start customizing it. Now you may like the background artwork they have. And if you, and some of it's really beautiful, I, I can understand why, but if you don't, or if you kind of have something in mind or something you've already created that, that, you know, sticks with your brand or whatever it is, you just take the picture. And when you're in design mode, you literally drag it from your desktop of your Mac into your web browser. And the picture appears on your website. It's that magic. It's just, it, it, it's as though they've built an app inside the web browser. You know how we go to like Google docs and it's like typing on a word document. Well, it's that kind of thing here for this. And you can tweak the website. You can adjust settings. If you happen to know HTML or CSS and you want to mess with that, you certainly can. But if you don't, you don't have to. They do it all on the fly for you. You start with their template. But then when you adjust it, it actually changes the HTML and the CSS without you having to mess with it right inside your web browser. And uh, and then it, and their their plans start at like eight bucks a month. So uh, and, and you, you get two weeks for free to when you when you sign up to uh to you know monkey about with it learn about it and then when it is time to pay uh when you want to make your site go live or or you want more time to to tweak and and test uh make sure you use the coupon code mgg because that'll get you 10% off of your order so uh so check it out they they, they the stuff that they're doing there it it's uh and they're constantly coming up with new templates and the cool part is if you let's say you've had a website at Squarespace for a year and you go and you see they've got some cool template and, you, you know, you you're like, I want my blog to be refreshed. I, I want something new. You go in, you say, I want that template for my blog. Boom. That's it. Your whole blog is now that template. You, you don't have to like muck about and change all the pages. It takes care of that for you. And now your whole blog has the new layout, the new look, and your readers are coming and loving it. And the same can be said for your web store or really anything else that you're doing there, your portfolio page, whatever it is, you can update it. Once you've got it built with your content in there, you just apply the new template and away you go. And that's sort of the beauty of, of their templated system. There is it just matches right up. You just plug it right in. You're good to go. So check it out. Squarespace.com slash M G G. And then make sure you use M G G as the, uh, as the coupon code so that you get your 10% off. All right, John, I'm bringing us to, uh, I'm bringing us to the Googles. Now we had, uh, we had a couple of great questions this week. Actually, we had 
probably a dozen great questions this week on our Google Plus page. And uh, I wanted to highlight two of them because they're good questions. Uh, Mike posted, this is, uh, I've got an iMac and a MacBook Pro. When moving work files from one computer to the other, I load those files on a portable hard drive and then I transfer them to the other computer. Currently, I have not encrypted my hard drive. If I use File Vault 2 to encrypt both the iMac and the MacBook Pro, when I load the work files on the portable drive, are the files saved as encrypted files? If yes, will those encrypted files be usable on both computers? Okay, so File Vault 2 encrypts the drive. It does not encrypt your files themselves, but the, the entire drive uh, is encrypted. And so... If you were to copy a file directly from your iMac to your MacBook Pro with both drives encrypted, then the file would be encrypted on your on your iMac. And then once it's saved to your MacBook Pro, it would be encrypted there too. any file you save on any encrypted drive is encrypted. However, if you copy a file from your iMac to some other unencrypted drive, then the file is just a file there. It, the drive's not encrypted. So what you would need to do is encrypt the external drive as well. And you can do that in disk utility. In fact, uh, listener Alex came in and answered this question for Mike. He says you can encrypt using disk utility. When you plug it into uh, a Mac that it hasn't seen before, th the, that Mac will ask for the password to decrypt that external drive. And then you, if you choose, you can save that to your keychain or not. You can choose not to save that to your keychain. And this is a handy thing to do, not just with external, you know, hard drives, but with external flash drives, I've got a couple of flash drives that I use to bounce things around and I encrypt the, I use whole disk encryption on them and it's awesome. I choose not to save it to my, um, to my, uh, keychain. And that way, when I put that disk in or that, you know, and I plug that flash drive in, if I'm not there to type the password, it doesn't mount. It comes right up immediately and says, enter the password. And if you hit cancel, it just doesn't appear in the finder because it can't decrypt the drive. So it can't get at the data. And, uh, and that's, that's how it works. So that's how we, that's how we do it. Thoughts on that, John? No, I'm with you. I, I didn't detect any, uh, I didn't screw it up. Well, I can understand the question though. At one point, uh, you know, at what point is it encrypted? And yeah, as you pointed out, it's not file level. So, Right. It, it's encrypted it's this level it's when it's actually saved. encrypted on the drive. Right. Of course, it's decrypted when you read it or look at it. Yep. <clears throat> yeah, and I try, I'll have to try that someday to look at a. Uh, oh, good luck. It's a it's a mess. Yeah, just a, but I, I, I trust that it's encrypted. But yeah, to get a sector editor or something like that, mm. just poke around at the low level. You know, I said something uh, in a previous show uh, that turns out is incorrect. I believe it was correct at one point in time. In fact, I'm certain it was. But what I said was the um, the i7 processor included an on-chip hardware AES engine, which means that when you uh, have an encrypted drive like this, reading and writing files, it has to encrypt or decrypt all the time. And with hardware encryption engine it makes that faster because it offloads that task from the cpu itself uh, and it is true that the i7 has that 
It is also true, as it turns out, that the current generation of the i5 also has that. Um, it did not used to be that way. When I bought my MacBook Air, I will swear up and down because I, I researched this like crazy. And at that time, which admittedly was two and a half years ago, uh, the i5s that were out then did not have an AES uh, decryption in it, or at least nobody talked about it. In fact, it was it was specifically highlighted that the i7 did and the i5 did not. But now anything you buy now, the i5 and the i7 both have that hardware decryption engine uh, or encryption engine, whichever it's being used for at the moment built in. So uh, I wanted to make sure we 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 offered that that clarification and correction. And yeah, it's good to know another. I think I think Xeon was another processor that also had a ah. encryption engine. If I looked at the. Uh, yeah, so they have a bunch. Yeah, i5. Uh, I'm looking at a Wikipedia thing. Yeah, i5, i7, Xeon. And what the heck is an i3-2115C? Uh, that I don't know. <laughs> That's new to me. Oh, is that ARM maybe or someone? Oh, uh, maybe. Wow. Could oh, be. Someone in there. Someone in their marketing department has to have a little, we have to have a talk. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look at all these processors. They all have nice short names. I5, I7, Xeon, I3, 2, 1, 1, 4. What? Uh, yeah. Man, we're at the fourth generation of the I5 and I7, right? Oh, I'm not sure what generation we're at. Because they have all these, you know, uh, code names or platforms and stuff like that. You know, Westmere, Sandy Bridge, Ivy Bridge, Haswell, all that. Right, 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 right. All right. I got another one from Google Plus, John. Well, only two. I wow. promised. I promised you only two. Uh, these are the best ones. He, um, he says, I've upgraded to Mavericks. Uh, oh, it's uh, Maxim says, I've upgraded to Mavericks. And since then, the VDC assistant, which is an eyesight related process, keeps crashing and forces the report crash process to take 100% of the CPU. I've searched online and found part of the solution. Removing the VDC assistant plist file prevents it from auto starting as I boot. However, other processes sometimes wake it up and it kicks in and report crash then takes all my CPU. I'm not using Skype nor FaceTime and have removed AirParrot uh, as recommended by some posts I read online. That solved it for a while. Then the problem reappeared. Uh, and he thought it was Gmail inside Chrome. He says last night, again, the whole thing was back at it. Oh, and as some suggested, I have reinstalled the combo updater. And that did not help either. Others suggested solutions would uh, uh, involve reinstalling the OS from scratch. And I don't want to have to do that because it would take too long. I'd like to know if you have any hints on what I should do. Is there a way to physically disable the camera, like hiding it from the available resources to an application that might request it? I was thinking of renaming the process itself so that it would not execute. Any help would be great. So, um, yeah, th this is this is interesting. Uh, if, in fact, it was Air Parrot, uh, then making sure you deleted it properly uh, was the trick. And some people talked about that. But um, I think your fear of a clean install may not be warranted. It sounds like you've spent a lot of time on this problem and it's not going away and you may wind up spending quite a bit more time. And here's the trick about uh, clean install and migration assistant. These kinds of system level um, uh, settings and and especially the the drivers are not migrated over when you use migration assistant. So you could do a clean install 
do let migration assistant do a hundred percent of all the stuff that it does. And you'd probably still solve this problem. So that's a pretty smooth and painless process. Uh, and it will get you a fresh system without all these extra extensions, without any corruption that might exist out there. I do like your idea of renaming the process that will solve it. You, you'll probably have a bunch of errors showing up in the console because it can't launch that process when it wants to. But otherwise, yes, that would work. So, so there you go. Those are, th- those are my thoughts on that, John. Well, the only thing I was thinking of, which I don't know if I'd necessarily recommend, but there was a question, how can I make uh, the computer not see the camera? And I do believe there is a kernel extension that interfaces with the camera. You could remove that, though. Yep. That's kind of ham-fisted mm. <laughs> approach here. I forget what it's called. I think it's Apple EyeSight, maybe. Yeah, here it is. So so there's an Apple underscore EyeSight um, kernel extension. So uh, that may be enough to prevent the computer from seeing that you have a camera at all. So again, I, I'm hesitant to muck about at that level of the uh, the OS. Yeah. I, the point I wanted to make was just that, you know, migration assistant, especially in cases like this, is not a scary thing. I am seeing some stuff in the um, in the, the chat room here where this is a known issue uh, that, that folks have reported to Apple. So. Uh, so, so in this case, if, if in fact that's true, then migration assistant or a clean install, even without migration assistant may not solve this problem, but I would head down that path that, that uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily avoid it. Uh, it, it is a, it is sort of a cheap time wise and money wise, a cheap way to, to clean your system out. So, so there you go. How about yeah, we let- made the suggestion, put electrical tape over the lens. No, that, that won't help. That will not prevent the computer from seeing the camera. No, It'll prevent the camera from seeing you. But- right. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's true. All right. Um, you know, John, why don't we head down the path of sharing some tips from previous shows? We've got some some follow ups and uh, and some tips. So uh, the first one I wanted to share was uh, Scott wrote in. He usually calls in, but this time he wrote in and for good reason, he says, uh, here's one built into iOS and free. If you pull down the message center, so pulling down, this is an iOS seven. If you pull down from the top message message center and tap on the today button at the top of the screen, there's three today all in mist. If you're not home, your iPhone will tell you how long it would take you to go home. And in his screenshot that it's that he sent, he says it says uh, right now. It would take you about 53 minutes to drive home. And uh, of course, it'll also show you how long it takes to get to your next meeting. If you have uh, the location of that meeting in there as well. And, uh, and he says, if you also, if you hadn't noticed in iOS seven, one Apple has updated and improved maps without much fanfare. One of the biggest improvements is the inclusion of traffic data. Uh, they're also more up to date on new roads, even better than Google, at least where Scott is. So thanks for the heads up, Scott. I didn't realize it. Uh, it did that. I love all these little, just these little touches. I got to test this. I'm, I'm going to a hockey game later today for my son. So, you know, it did come up for me. Uh, uh, you know, I was in Manhattan recently and I actually, I'm kind of disappointed. So I have, of course had my phone with me and it said that at one point I brought up the, uh, you know, brought up that screen and it said, yeah, it'll take you two hours to drive home. It's like, did you notice that I took the train in? <laughs> so no, I'm, I'm serious. 
Why, why did it, it? It should have been smart enough to say, okay, I saw you come in on a train. How did it know you, you came in on a you, train? How does it? What I'm saying is that when that screen comes up, it automatically assumes you're going to drive. Correct. So it's smart enough to know that I'm not home, but it's stupid enough to not recognize how I got where I am. How, but how, right? yeah, how would it know that you took a train? Yeah. How about, um, how about the, uh, that M7 chip? Yeah. That doesn't have a GPS in it though. And, and what would the M7 tell you differently? I mean, the M7 is going to tell you if you walked, you did not. Right. Well, part of the way I did. Right. But, but, but no, I, while I sitting on the, the train, the is, I don't, I don't know all of the states that it has. But it should have a train. I mean, the thing is, it's smart enough. If you've seen it, if you've run the debug program, it's smart enough to say, oh, you're driving just because it takes all the data at its disposal and figures, OK, well, you probably can't run at 45 miles an hour. So right. You're probably driving. Right. I would argue that it could be smart enough to know that you're on a train because those, you know, go faster and slower. And that, that, that could be hard to tell. Yeah. Car, though. Yeah. No, I think I could. I think I could write some code that could do that. All right. Good. What I'm saying is that it'd be neat if it could say, oh, the next train going home, since I saw you get on the train and off the train, <laughs> we'll leave at this point. That would have impressed me. Yeah. Maybe the next, maybe the next version. Maybe, yeah, maybe the next rev. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Column has a, uh, a heads up for us from the last show. And 493, we were talking about uh, firing off an Apple script when the Mac was about to go to sleep or an automator action or something uh, to bounce it back out to the login screen so that when it wakes up, it's at the login screen as opposed to the, uh, you know, logged in as the user. And column says one Mac app that will let you run an Apple script, among other things, when going to sleep or waking from sleep, among other things, is Digital Sentry from Coingo Software. And uh, it works on 10.6, Snow Leopard or later. And it costs 20 bucks. So there you go. Digital Sentry. We'll put a link in the show notes. I love stuff like this. I can't, I don't, I can't believe we've, we've never uh, talked about Digital Sentry before. This looks like something that, that, we would, that we would love, John. So there you go. Digital Sentry. Thanks, Colin. That's a, uh, that's a good one. All right. Any thoughts on that, John? No, I'll check it out. I mean, it's digital. It's got to be good. It's got. That's right. This show is digital. I mean, we're not creating it digital in that you and I are speaking in analog. Well, yeah, it's a hybrid. Right. right. It's analog well, and then it gets converted to digital. And then back to analog because people can't hear this show uh, if it's digital. Right. Our yeah, ears are most, analog devices. I think most speakers are analog in nature. They would have to be. Because our ears are analog devices. Right? Mm, true. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> uh, Leon writes, he says, uh, the unmount drive at Bootscript you listed in the last ep episode of show notes, I could not get to work. We were talking about how to unmount boots, uh, unmount drives at boot. He says, a little Google foo, and I found something else. And he found an article that uh, I'm having trouble finding a link for, but he posted the whole article in there. Did I put the link in the show notes? I did not. Well, I'll figure out the link and we'll put it in the show notes, but he found an article somewhere and, uh, and that 
talks through using an automator action. Uh, you drag your disk into your automator action as a get specified finder items. Uh, you create a get specified finder items action and uh, you drag your disk in that you want to eject. And then you funnel that into an eject disk action and save it as an application. And that'll do it. And that way you don't have to mess around. If your drive has like spaces in the name that can get really funny to write a script for, cause you got a part, you got to um, escape the spaces out in your Unix command and all that stuff. So, uh, so doing this in automator is, is the trick. And I'll, I, I'll, well, somehow I'll find this article out there on the web. You put the whole article there. Oh, is it tech review? Of course. I knew there was something special about this. Yeah. It was MGG Jim over at tech review wrote this up. So, uh, so we'll happily put that in the show notes. We were going to put it in the show notes anyway, but, uh, but especially there. Awesome, Jim. Nice work, my friend. So that's, uh, that's that. And it's, it's totally simple. And when you see it, even if you've never done anything with automator before you will, uh, you will grok what to do because again, a picture tells a thousand words. So it's in the show notes guaranteed one way or another. That's what Debbie Harry said, right? John? I'm going to get you, get you, <laughs> get you. <laughs> Any thoughts on that or, uh, or should I let Brad share his, uh, his tip with us? Yeah, it's hand it. Hand All right. To- we'll hand it to Brad. Take it away. Hey guys, I've got a one password tip that I figured I'd, pass along that maybe some people might be helpful to somebody. Um, And this works primarily if you're syncing. I think it only works if you sync your keychain to Dropbox. I'm not certain that it works with any other services. But let's say that you're syncing your 1Password database to your Dropbox folder or to Dropbox. Um, If you go into a web browser, and I don't think this works with IE, but it works with Chrome and Firefox and Safari, if you go out to one Dropbox and go to the one password um, agile keychain folder, and then if you scroll down inside that folder, you'll see a file called um, one password.html. There's a bunch of HTML files there, but you want the one that's just titled one password HTML. If you click on that, it actually brings up your one password online app, so to speak, and you can log in there and access your um, passwords, your secure notes. It's just like looking at the one as- the one at password app um, on your PC. It's kind of neat. I've used that many times when traveling, um, and I don't have access to the client on somebody else's computer. It's secure. Um, it locks. You can auto lock it yourself, or once you log out, it automatically locks again. So it works really well. Thought I'd just pass that along. Thank you very Take kindly, care. Brad. And here's where you cut me off. We will cut you off. Thanks, man. That's awesome. Awesome stuff. Yeah, that that deals with the. I'm not at my computer. I don't have my database with me. How can I get there? And uh, and that's the magic. Awesome. Thank you so much. Any thoughts on that, or should we hand it to Leon? We got two more, uh, two more tips. Leon, Leon, take yeah. it away again from uh, show four ninety two. We're going back one extra show talking about BitTorrent Sync, and uh, and Leon had some comments. 
Hi, Dave, John, and Pilot Pete. This is Leon, also known as Gadget Coma. I was just listening to episode 492, where you were talking about BitTorrent Sync, and I wanted to uh, give you two comments on that. One is that uh, there is actually a BitTorrent Sync client that runs on Synology. Dave, since you're such a big Synology fan, I thought you'd appreciate that. One warning, though, um, I've heard from people that when you run BitTorrent Sync, you need to have the same version on all devices. And currently, as of today, March 18th, the Synology package has not been updated to the latest that's available on the BitTorrent Sync site. So be careful with that. Make sure uh, you try it out that you match the version. Um, also wanted to mention in terms of versioning, BitTorrent Sync does have a versioning feature. It stores old versions of the files, and it's configurable, but puts it into the .sync archive directory, and you can control how long it keeps files in there. I don't know that it's as graceful as a Dropbox where you can go back and have a nice GUI to get to the files, but the files are saved and you can get in there to see them. So I hope that helps. Keep up the great work and don't leave the fun. Thanks, Leon. And uh, hopefully his audio was intelligible enough to make out. Thank you for uh, for sharing that. I put a link in the show notes to a site that describes how to get BitTorrent Sync on your um, on your Synology. Uh, you need to you need to add a community uh, package center. And as of yesterday, that package center would not let me download, but I'm testing it now and it's letting me download. So I will be able to mess with that um, while we're speaking of Synology. And the reason I was looking at installing BitTorrent Sync yesterday as opposed to uh, Cloud Station, which I have on there, there is a problem uh, and it's inexcusable, frankly, I feel. Uh, with the with Cloud Station, which is Synology's private cloud thing where you install a little client similar to Dropbox, but instead of it saving your stuff to Dropbox, it syncs with uh, your disk station. And it's awesome and it works great, except since Mavericks has come out, which is months and months and months now, uh, there has been an issue. Uh, really, it's not Mavericks. It's the new iWorks pages, um, uh, pages, keynote and numbers. Cloud Station mucks with those files when you're saving them. You've probably seen this if you use a disk station uh, with your iWork files uh, or use Cloud Station with your iWork files. And it keeps telling you it can't do the saving because it's saving all these things inside a package. And it used to be a zip file and now it's a package with a zip file inside it and all this other stuff. So with the change in file format, Cloud Station constantly makes it so that your apps are yelling at you that something else has changed the file and it can't save a revision and this, that, and the other thing they know about this. They told me it was going to be fixed in DSM five. It's not. So uh, they are working on it. Uh, they send along their apologies. Uh, at least their, their marketing folks do. I'm not sure how their programmers feel. Cause if their programmers felt as bad as their marketing folks do, they would have fixed it already. Uh, and hopefully a little bit of spanking like this will, will get them moving along because, because uh, there's a lot of us Mac users that use this stuff and it's inexcusable to let it go that long. So a little bit of a, a fish shake at, uh, at, at uh, one of my favorite companies in our market, but, um, but that, Hey, they, they got it coming. So, so there you go. That's, uh, that's that. I just want to make sure everybody knew that it's not you. If you're seeing that problem and they are working on it, they had, their engineers had told me it was going to be fixed in DSM five. So they're, they clearly have a, a path. Maybe they, well, for whatever reason, they didn't do it. So anyway, that's uh, 
that's that. So we got one, one last one, right, John? Cause we were talking about VPNs in the last show and Ed has a good comment to make. Shall I? Sure. All right. Hi, Dave and John. This is Ed from LA. I just got done listening to episode 493 where John was talking about installing his open VPN client. I uh, just wanted to mention um, our common friend Allison Sheridan put together a clarify tutorial on how to install the open VPN on your Mac and using the same, I believe, the same app on the iPhone. And I, I did that. I followed it. It was, it was a little geeky, but it wasn't too bad. And uh, I was sitting comfortably, securely surfing the web in my local um, friendly Starbucks and noticed that my max download speed was capped by the maximum upload speed of my home system. So just a heads up for those people that are wanting to try it, that if you have a low upload speed at home and that's where you're hosting the VPN server, that's going to be your max download speed when you're out and about. Talk to you later. Bye. Thanks for the heads up, Ed. Yeah, it, it's true, right? If you are using a VPN in such a way that all of your traffic is being routed through the VPN, which for a lot of people is the reason you would use the VPN, think about that. And Ed makes a very good point. If you're at Starbucks and you are trying to download something over the web via your VPN, that has to be downloaded through your home network with me, which means down to your home network and out from your home network. And if you have a limited upstream speed, that will be your limit on the VPN. If nothing else is slower than that. So, uh, so yeah, it's good to remember where the weak weak links in the chain are. So thanks for that heads up, Ed. Anything else we got here, John, before it's, uh, before it's time to bring in the band. You know, that does bring up a good point. I'm curious, you know, I'm almost sure I, I just have to find the right place in here. But I was thinking, what if what if you do want to limit the bandwidth of the VPN? I'm pretty sure that somewhere on the Synology, they have a uh, a way to limit. They do the speed over because uh, this is over a certain port. So I, I think you set it up that way. You can say, OK, we'll limit the bandwidth to this or that on this port. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I happen to have my Synology set up because, or a uh, web interface up because I was, uh, I did just add um, BitTorrent sync to it. It worked fine. I was very happy to get it on there. Um, yeah, there was something in there, maybe under network traffic control. There you go. Yeah. So con uh, uh, this station uh, web interface, go to control panel, go to network and go to the traffic control tab and you can create, exactly what John's talking about managing um, bandwidth on, on any given ports. So that's a good idea. That's a good idea. I like it. It's good. The band even likes it, John. And they're geeks, music geeks. They don't even understand this stuff and they like it. So where does that leave us? That leaves us with the next time I'm going to talk to you, John is in San Francisco. Most likely. And right. uh, the next time we're going to talk to all of you is certainly from San Francisco. And hopefully I'm looking forward to seeing as many of you as uh, as possible out there. That's kind of one of my favorite parts about these uh, these trips. So is good. John, how would they find us if they wanted to contact us? One way you can contact us. It won't help you find us, so indirectly it probably does. But one way 
is you could send an email to feedback at MacGeekGab.com. Did you say feedback at MacGeekGab.com, John? No, I said feedback at MacGeekGab.com. That's what I thought you said. I'm going to have to talk to you about that. If you are a premium listener, you can email us at premium at MacGeekGab.com. You can learn all about becoming a premium listener and supporting us directly if you so choose at uh, at MacGeekGab.com. Additionally, uh, if you want to send, and you can send us audio comments via uh, either email address. Uh, you can send us uh, text, obviously, pictures and all that, screenshots and all that good stuff. But uh, but if you want to leave us an audio comment another way, one other way is to call us at 206-666-GEEK, which, John, is... Ugh, 4335. 4335. That is correct. You can also leave us an audio comment if you download the Mac Geek Cab app. You can listen to the shows inside the app. You can leave us comments. When you leave us a comment while you're listening, it will actually tag your email to us with the name of the chapter and the timestamp of when you were uh, where, right where you were in the show. So if you're writing in in relation to something, we know exactly what you're talking about. It's uh, it's awesome stuff, and we really appreciate uh, all the help that Corey and Michael have uh, have given us uh, on the app, and uh, we of course appreciate all you using it. So it's fantastic stuff. Check it out, of course, in the iOS App Store. Uh, you can find out about uh, all kinds of things, including the show notes at macgeekab.com. John, where else can they find out about stuff about us? Facebook.com slash macgeekgab. That's one place. Where else? Twitters. On the Twitters, he is Dave Hamilton. I am John F. Braun. The podcast is macgeekgab, and the publication is macobserver. All on Twitter.com. Yeah, and Twitter.com is a great place to... Uh, to to stalk us next week uh, in a good way because we'll be talking about where we are and where we're going not just during the day but even at night if we're if we're somewhere where uh, it's a you know public venue like if we're hanging out and, and we've done this before we're hanging out at a bar uh, after all is said and done for the day we'll fire off a tweet and come on out we'll uh, we'll have a drink together it's good stuff all right. Uh, Google Plus, plus.google.com slash plus Mac Geek Gab podcast out there. We also have the Mac Geek Gab community. So uh, you can learn all about that. And uh, I mentioned Michael Johnston. I want to thank him again for converting the show to AAC. He'll be out at Mac World iWorld Expo. He'll be talking a lot about his new Get Appler site, which he came on here uh, and kindly told us about a couple of months ago. GetAppler.com. Uh, he also is the host of the We Have Communicators podcast, which he does a great job with. So thank you. I also want to thank Cashfly, C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y, for getting the bandwidth. They're offering, providing, being the bandwidth gods that they are to get the stuff from us to you. That's good. Uh, we also want to thank all our sponsors in the podcast marketplace. BB Edit and Yojimbo from Barebone Software. Text Expander, PDF Pen, the whole PDF Pen family from Smile. Gazelle.com to sell off all your old stuff and get some money. Squarespace.com, coupon code MGG. Lynda.com, L-Y-N-D-A.com slash MGG. And of course, the folks at Rage Software. We'll tell you more about that sometime coming up, too. That's that, John. We are, uh, we're going to be traveling. So, you know what that means? It means... Uh-huh. I know. We need to wish each other that we don't get caught. 
made of.